Hey y'all, it's me again, Bonnie Violet. I just wanted to take a second and thank my Patreon members. Patreon members are folks who contribute on a monthly basis, anywhere from $3 to $150 a month to support the work of a queer chaplain. Big shout out to Victoria Thompson, Jason Brandt, Brandon Stanton, Kim Silva, Brandy McCarg, Randy Sandnot, Bob Kaiser, Joey Heckmeister, Violet Rhiannon, Gabriel, Jonathan, Patrick and Todd Atkins Whitley. Thank you so much for your continued contributions. And if you're interested in joining the Patreon, just check the link in the description. Go to patreon.com forward slash Bonnie Violet. Thanks so much. Bye bye. Good morning. I was, I'm going to start um, just talking while I walk. Um, I'm starting to go into the office every day now, so I don't have quite, I don't have, I, and I'm going to be seeing patients, so I'm not going to be doing rallies and protests, and I've been really trying to figure out, like, how I can talk, I don't know, just how I can have an impact around Black Lives Matters and that sort of thing. So I'm going to attempt to just start with talking a little bit about um, just my experience with color, with, uh, I guess, being white. Um, and I'm going to start from like my child perspective and um, try to try to speak from my point of view at that time um, and then hopefully get to a point where, you know, I can speak my narrative uh, in a way in which is different from what I knew then. Um, so I grew up, I was born in, uh, Idaho, a small town in Idaho. And, um, when I was born in 1979, um, I was a month overdue, but, um, my first, um, nickname, um, was actually Casper. Um, the neighbor lady down the road um, from our house, she was a block down the road, and um, she was a Mexican lady, and um, she gave me the name, uh, she gave me the name Casper, and she gave me this name because I was like really, really white. I was really, really fair-skinned, blue-eyed, um, and I, the hair that I had was was actually white. Um, I was a bit of a towhead, and um, so Casper was like my first, my first nickname. Um, and um, yeah, I guess that's the first time I started to be seen as white. I guess in my understanding of white, um, I don't rem really remember a lot of my childhood. Actually, um, I, for what for whatever reason. I seem to have blocked it out, um, but but what I do remember are little bits and pieces. Um, I used to, um, let's see, so where do I want to go from here? So Casper was my first nickname, and then um, I used to get called Whitey when I was in the sixth grade from the bully. Um, again, I had like, I was a towhead, I've always been super, super fair, 
super blue eyed. Um, and I don't remember, I, I just don't remember a lot of things. I remember my parents told me this. Um, so weird, a part of me feels really nervous about sharing this for some reason, I don't know why, but my parents told me when I was young, um, cause I grew up in a small town in Idaho, less than 3000 people. Um, and there was one black family in town and um, my parents were really close um, with this family. And so were, so were we as kids. Um, we had a, we like, I, that was a time when I was really into He-Man and uh, me and the older son, we'd always trade our He-Man with each other. Anyway, um, the thing that I wanted to say about that is my parents said when I first met T, um, that um, I was like a very like, I guess I was a very clean kid. Like I didn't get like to get touched and I was always just, I don't know, I was just really clean. Um, and um, the first time I met T, um, I was a, like, I kind of was, um, I don't know if scared was the word, but I didn't, I wasn't comfortable with him touching me. And my mom was like, what is wrong with you? You know, and from that point of view, I just, I said, he's dirty, like his hands are dirty you know, not really thinking too much about it. And honestly, I don't remember how old I was when this happened, but um, I remember that, I guess, being the first time I um, acknowledged a person of a different color than my own. Um, as I said, I don't really remember a lot in grade school and junior high, or grade school actually, but now um, in high school, good morning, Jason. Um, Let's see, so my last name is Quintana, which some people might wonder what that is. And so I'm actually Mexican. My grandfather is um, from Mexico. He is very, um, he looks Mexican. He's got dark skin, brown, dark brown skin, um, and brown eyes, dark hair. Um, and my grandmother, my dad's, so that's my dad's dad. But my dad's mom was Irish, so she was super fair-skinned. She had red hair, um, and again, blue eyes, um, and super, super fair-skinned. And then my mother, she is um, German and Irish, so she's um, just as white as my dad is, I guess, or as fair as my dad is, except for she doesn't have any red, and she's got no ginger in her, whereas my dad does. Um, growing up, I... I burnt really bad. Shit, I don't even know why I'm sharing all this stuff, but um, I just figured I would give it a shot. Um, so, good morning, Cannon. Um, so I would burn really, really bad because my skin was so fair. And I lived with blisters all over my nose and the tops of my heads and my ears and my shoulders. And I used to have to wear big oversized t-shirts all the time. I wasn't allowed to not have my shirt on outside because I would burn. And this has really nothing to do with what I thought I was going to be talking about, but it was definitely a really um, challenging thing for me. Um, and I guess the other aspect that I was going to share too is that um, uh, I guess, you know, I, my experience with, um, I grew up in a very poor, I grew up in a, a very poor family. Um, lived in a trailer house most of my life. 
um, <clears throat> when I was young, I lived in a trailer house with my parents who lived next door to my grandma and grandpa, my mom's parents, who in their trailer. And then the trailer on the other side of us was my aunt and her family. And that's just kind of what, what we did. We grew up in trailers. And um, I really had a, I was really embarrassed about this. Um, in a lot of ways, I think that people would label me and my family white trash. Um, I never had those words, I think, growing up, but um, I definitely, um, I definitely, I think I felt that. I felt like that everyone else in town saw us as just not like them. Um, we weren't Mormon either, so that was a big kind of X against us. My dad had had a not so great reputation in town, and I don't know, it was just a thing. And um, so I always struggled with just being who I was and where I was from and being a part of the family that I was a part of. And I was so conflicted because aesthetically, I, I didn't want to be a part of my family, but my family taught me generosity and care, caring and kindness. They were the kindest people. We hardly had much, but every holiday we, um, you know, we gave, we gave away our stuff. We gave away food. We did all this sort of stuff. We always were taught to, that there were people who needed more than, even needed more than what we did. Um, so I had a really hard time with, I don't know if hard, it just feels so weird. I'm just trying to share again from my perspective growing up and try not I'm gonna try to just do that and not try to to correct it but that's how I experienced it um uh one of the first things I did was I um you know I couldn't wait to get a job so I could make money so I could buy cool kids clothes like uh clothes that weren't hand-me-downs and weren't clothes that somebody else wore or weren't bought at King's or um <laughs> that sort of thing um, anyway, I don't know, getting talking about a lot of different things, but, um, race and color was not necessarily anything we talked about. Like I said, we had one black family in town was our friends growing up. They left probably when I was still in grade school, um, being Mexican, but not looking Mexican. And then also not being raised Mexican as in the culture. Um, my, my father wasn't raised in the culture, um, his father left when he was young um, and he had a lot of, um, he just, yeah, he just never had an opportunity, I guess, to get to know the Mexican part of him um, through his father. Um, and, um, but you know, like, you know, I have an uncle who changed his last name from, from Quintana. Um, my understanding at that time as a kid was that he did that because he didn't want to be confused as being Mexican because he was brown-eyed and dark-haired. And my brother, my dad's siblings actually look like they are Mexican, unlike my father. Um, and so there was definitely this distance that we made toward that. Like I don't know. Again, it was like a lot of just trying to to not be I don't know, just be seen differently than what we might have been. Um, uh, I wouldn't say that my family, I don't know, there was just a different, um, feeling really nervous about talking about this. Um, like, 
afraid of like what um what people might think what's important what's not important um but again i'm just trying to share you from my point of view as a kid i remember my growing up there were my fam there were t moments when the n-word was used and uh, it wasn't it was never directed at a person directly it was always like around uh there was an like a type of nut that um, many people refer to as the inward toe and then my parents had this stew that they made that was they said the n-word first and then called it a stew and i i knew from right on that that like like i said it, it wasn't directed toward people but it still wasn't all right and there was a part of me that that knew that and i would i would fight with my parents about it uh, as i got older and i remember getting to a point where we could agree on the point that it was an african-american stew not a n-word stew and like somehow that was better um you know now i can realize that even just calling it an african-american stew was still racist because it was about um it was basically made from like quote unquote like later i would have heard people call it as poor people's stew because it would just be like ground hamburger and maybe whatever whatever we might have had in the in the fridge um and um so i guess there was that understanding um around i guess blackness again wasn't really exposed to it much growing up um but around brownness um i do recall that like growing up i knew that um because my skin wasn't brown and I wasn't seen as Mexican, that um, the assumptions that people made for me were different. Um, the assumed of Mexicans were that the girls would get pregnant at 13 or 14, they would drop out of school, and the boys would drop out of school young as well, be fathers and work in the fields. And that was just kind of the, the narrative, if you will, of what it meant to be brown from my point of view growing up and our family I think tried to distance themselves from being connected to that and we could we had the privilege to do that because we were white and in a lot of ways we weren't Mexican because we didn't have the culture either um, but I remember when it came to graduating high school because um, I had worked really really hard to try to you know get some sort of um, scholarship or something um, because we were poor. It was the only way I could get to college. Nobody in my family I had one aunt who got to go to college a few years before me. But other than that, you know, like my parents, you know, they didn't even finish high school, um, either one of them. Um, and so it was like something that I was trying to do, but didn't know how to do. And there was an option that I could have like, you know, said I was Mexican. And at the time I thought, um, I was encouraged to do it, but then I said, no, I didn't because I felt like my experience was not, the Mexican experience was not my experience like I saw it was for other people. And I saw that other people were, that society where I grew up thought less of them. And for them to, to go beyond that would be harder. I know it's kind of whatever, but I think a lot of us, wherever we grow up, we're told these are the kinds of things that we can do or that these are the things that we can't do. And that, that can kind of like, how does society view us, you know, as white trash in a trailer, you know, going to college or 
was like a big deal. Um, leaving town at some point was like a big thing. It just wasn't common. You know, you, you, you get married, you move next to mom and dad and you pop out some kids and you know, that's kind of like how the town populates. Um, so, um, so I chose not to click Mexican or, you know, on my college applications because I didn't feel like it was appropriate. So I went off to school in Arizona. I moved out to Phoenix, Arizona, where I went to um, a tech school actually um, to study architectural drafting. And um, this was one of the first times that I realized, um, I guess that, that um, I had a stereotyped and biased idea of black people, um, partially because I, I wasn't raised and brought up around black folks. So all I knew was what I saw on TV and such as I was older. And I remember having a realization because I've always been like somewhat of an empath and I think I've been somewhat aware or thought I was or tried to be. Um, so I remember having a moment with realizing, okay, I'm in this new city. I don't know anybody. I'm going to be in situations where like I'm going to be in a room with people I don't know and people that don't look like me. And also going from like town of less than 3,000 and going to Phoenix, Arizona, there were people around all the time. And uh, that was quite a shock for me at first. Um, but I remember also having um, a moment of thinking, you know, if I was in a room, say like I was in a lobby waiting for a doctor or whatever, and there were two people in the room with me and there was a white person and a black person that I would have just automatically, like if I were to talk to any of them, I would talk to the white person first. And I remember having that, that realization and thinking, that's not cool. Why is that? I don't like that. But also, honestly, not really knowing what to do with it. Um, so I feel like I've had moments of like, I guess glimpses of seeing things or noticing the things like racial differences and stereotypes and ideas, um, but not really, I guess, having a lot of exposure or opportunity to get to see people differently than how I saw them on TV. Um, or, I mean, really, that's the only place I saw people that were different from me was on TV. Um, uh, so yeah, so I remember having that sort of um, conflict, I guess. And um, as I, as I, this was before I, before I came out, I was like probably 18, 19 years old and living in Phoenix. Um, trying to think how farther, much further I can get before I, um, I end, cause I am almost at work. Um, but basically I just wanted to, uh, I guess share my experience. I, I feel like maybe that there are other white folk and maybe non-white folk that can um, see a little bit of their experience, my experience and theirs, and potentially just share my, how my, how my thinking and my understanding and my perspective began to change over time. Um, so I think I'm probably gonna leave that here for today. Hi, Mark. And um, so I spoke from my childhood from being a baby, my first nickname being Casper and then Whitey. 
my experience with my first black man as a child, um, my perception of my whiteness versus brownness as a Mexican, and the, the quandary of if I was in a room with a white person and a black person, I would engage in a conversation with a white person first. Um, as many of you know, <laughs> tomorrow I'll share a little bit more. I'll come out, I'll be diagnosed with HIV. I'll end up moving back to Idaho and also moving to Chicago. And so there's lots of opportunity for me to see race differently and see people differently than I had um, once thought before. Um, so yeah, I think that's what I have to share today and part one of whiteness and tomorrow morning I'll do the same with uh, whiteness part two. Um, yeah, have a great day. Um, love you all and um, bye. Bye Jason, thanks for all the love. Maybe try to acknowledge some folks. Hi Mark, if you're still here. And Mike and Michael, my Idaho sister. I think you're still here as well. Um, let's see. Hi Shane, you're an Idahoan too, aren't you? I think you have some Idaho ties. And then there is Mike from Chicago. I'll be talking about Chicago tomorrow. It's good seeing you, Mr. Chico. Um, hi, Evie. Um, I'm just finishing up this conversation about whiteness because I'm about ready to hop into work. For There's a lot of folks just coming in now. Um, I will be doing a part two tomorrow. Um, so uh, right around the same time. Hi, Donnie. Um, so I miss Chicago too. Um, so I will um, see you all tomorrow. Love you and um, bye. Bye for reals this time. Hey y'all, Bonnie Violet here again. Just wanted to take a second to let you know about Splintered Grace Podcast. Splintered Grace Podcast just completed its fifth season entitled Still Seeking. Splintered Grace is a podcast that I co-host with my aunt who is a conservative Christian and one of my biggest supporters in my trans identity and just life in general. While many family members are choosing to no longer speak, we have chosen to sit at the table and engage in difficult conversations to find peace and restoration. Over our 24-year relationship, we have had a lot of ups and downs, and we haven't always really liked each other. We definitely never understood each other, and still some of it we don't. But we love one another so much and so hard and really work hard to show up for one another. And our hope is that by listening to this podcast, others may be able to begin to have peace and restoration in some of their other relationships with family members and or other loved ones. Uh, check it out, Splintered Grace Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Take care. Love you. Bye.